Hello and welcome to Strange Sound. This is episode 51 of Strange Sound. I'm Joe. Glad to have you with me here in my uh, new shortened format. Easier to listen to, takes less time, wastes less of your time, and my time as well. Hope you enjoy this. Uh, standard disclaimer, the views expressed on Strange Sound are mine and mine alone. They do not represent the views of my employer, my friends, my neighbors, my family members, my pet dog, my pet cats, my good friends on Twitter, the people who excoriate me on Twitter. (laughs) No one else's views. They're just mine. That's it. That's all there is to it. Anywho, I'm going to move right along to our usual weekly segment known as Furious Rants. This is Furious Rant from uh, this past Friday. You will find the text of this on my blog at big-green.net. Just click on the blog tab and uh, follow it through and click on the category for political rants. Um, This one is entitled No Shortcut, was posted on February 19th, and it goes a little bit like this. There's been a lot of pushback from the left this week on Biden, on the Biden town hall, and with good reason. While he presents as an affable old grandpa, his conception of policy is locked into the 1990s in a lot of ways. When he thinks he's leaning to the left, he means the left of three decades ago. The liberal cohort that thinks in terms of community policing, mild reforms, drug rehab programs, etc. Whereas even the mainstream Democratic Party has moved on from many of these centrist notions of change, the leftward movement appears to have escaped the notice of President Biden. For the time being, he is riding on a wave of relief that Donald Trump is no longer A. President, B. In our faces every single day, or C, on Twitter. I'm sure millions of people are happy that the current president is not ordering an angry racist mob into the Capitol building. But that, while necessary, is of course far from sufficient. His position on student debt illustrates this insufficiency to a T. Biden keeps confusing, probably deliberately, the temporary suspension of interest payments, which he has ordered, with elimination of interest on student debt, which he has not ordered. He vaguely promises 10,000 in debt relief, but both he and his spokesperson keep suggesting that this is something Congress should take up. To be clear, he has the authority to do this himself, and if he can do 10,000, he can do more. But Biden seems to think that there's a fairness issue involved here. He tends to couch it in terms of not wanting rich people to get the benefit, which brings us back to Biden's and most centrist Democrats' preference for targeted programs. In other words, we need a new, overly complicated, dedicated administrative infrastructure to achieve the recapture of funds that are already existing tax system could accomplish with very little adjustment. Of course, this problem is more about us than it is about Biden. We've got Biden as president and lackluster office holders all the way down the line, 
because we didn't organize enough people and ultimately bring them around to supporting progressive, even radical change. In a very real sense, we get the politicians we deserve, and we shouldn't expect better if we're not doing the hard, long-term work of building change from below. Organizing is about more than electing people, obviously, but one of the byproducts of successful organizing is a better grade of politician. I think we've seen that in some of the more progressive congressional candidates like Rashida Tlaib, Cori Bush, AOC, and others. I'm pleasantly surprised when candidates of their stripe are successful, largely because I know that in my own area of the country, very little organizing is taking place. That's why we now have the return of our erstwhile Republican Congress member, Claudia Tenney, who beat out Anthony, Anthony Brindisi by a mere 109 votes. Brindisi was part of the Problem Solver Conference, and there were a few Democratic members farther to the right, but in the end it wasn't enough. You see, a little more organizing would have given us those 110 votes to return a centrist to Congress. And a lot more organizing might have resulted in sending an actual progressive to Congress, to say nothing of actual mutual aid benefits for the people in our district. So, what are we waiting for? Love you. Joe. That's this week. Again, if you want to read this instead of listening to it, you can go to big-green.net and click on the blog link and follow it through, and you will find the post entitled No Shortcut. Read it, share it, like it, dislike it, push back. Let me know what you think. I'd love to hear it. Okay, so... uh that's my furious rant for this week. Um, and here's another segment that I'm calling And Now This. <laughs> that title is not going to stick. But I got to call it something. So I'm calling it that. Well, I'm not calling it something. I'm calling it And Now This. Um, I just wanted to expand on this point regarding the 22nd Congressional District. This was a race that, uh, well, let me, let me back up a little bit. The Congressional District that I live in, New York 22nd, is a big sprawling district that was carved out, um, you know, in the last reapportionment. And it's, uh... R plus three district, I think I've mentioned on the blog or in the uh, podcast before. Um, so it tends to lean more Republican, but that's it's a little it's a little bit more complicated a story than that. Um, the seat was held um, from from the twenty eighteen election was won by this Anthony Brindisi that I mentioned in the blog post. Um, he won against Claudia Tenney, who was the Republican member who had won in 2016, um, who was a strong Trump supporter. Um, she's a very far right Republican. I don't know if it's, I don't know if she would be considered far, far right in today's politics. She was when she took office. She's pretty far right. Um, she's a Trumpist. Um, if you look at her Twitter feed, you'll know what I'm talking about. And I'm sure she'd be 
she'd be happy to have that label. I don't think this is anything controversial that I'm saying here. She is not the centrist type of Republican that we used to get in this district, like uh, Sherwood Bullard, who was who held the seat for something like 26 years. Um, he was a centrist. You know, he was right in the middle, um, and and kind of almost to the left. He was on the left edge of the Republican Party. And so was uh, Richard Hanna, who served the district for about four, six years, maybe, I believe. Um, yeah, uh, one in 2010 and uh, retired in 2016. Um, Claudia Tenney held the seat for two years from 2016 to 2018. She lost in 2018 to Brindisi. Um, and kind of a photo finish, it was in the, I mean, the, gap between them was in the thousands. Um, my point having to do with organizing, once again, is that um, Claudia Tenney won this race, but only by a whisker. She won by 109 votes in the final analysis, and it really came down to which, which ballots were being counted at which time. I'm not going to go into great detail about this because I haven't delved into it myself. My hope was that somebody more intrepid than me, someone with with maybe more brain cells than me, would do an analysis of what specific ballots we're talking about and would sort of map that out. There are some resources online, but I'm waiting for someone to actually do a a treatise on this so that um, I can better understand it. But uh, the litigation went on for months. And uh, I've talked about this on Strange Sound before. They um, they sort of pulled ahead of each other and pulled back, and the gap was often, you know, less than <laughs> less than twenty votes um, at any given time. Brindisi would pull ahead by twelve votes. Uh, Tenney would pull ahead by twelve votes, and she she ended up on 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 the top of the race uh, at the end of it, but it, not by very much. Again. 109 votes. Now, here's what I mean about organizing, okay? I'm going to just read some stats from this race and from this district. Okay, so, and I think I mentioned this before. On election night, Tenney had kind of a lopsided win of election night uh, voters. Uh, She had an advantage of 28,422 votes on election night. So it was like 139,883 to 111,461. So it was a pretty lopsided victory on election night. Now, when they started counting mail-in ballots and, and, and others, other ballots that weren't counted right away on election night, the gap closed to literally um, 155,989 to 156,098. That was Tenney. Um, so a total of over, you know, something like 310,000 votes in the district. I don't have any data on who voted for whom. So I don't have any exit polling data or any stats on, you know, how many Democrats voted for (laughs) Brindisi, how many Republicans voted for, for Tenney. But I can tell you, um, as far as the most current registration figures are, in the 22nd Congressional District of New York. Um, Republicans do have an advantage over Democrats. 
Republican registration is at 177,701. Democratic registration is at 147,120. Now, uh, there are 7,451 uh, citizens of the district, residents of the district, I should say, uh, that are registered as conservatives. Working Families has 2,111 registrants. So we're guessing that, you know, the conservatives break right, the working families uh, folks break left. Green Party has about 1,267 registrants. Libertarian Party has, has 1,376. But the lion's share of the, um, of the vote outside of the two major parties is uh, people who are independent, um, registered independents. Party. I think I think this is Independence Party. It's interesting because Independence Party is twenty five thousand eight hundred twenty five, but there's also a category um, for blank, which I believe is truly independent voters. That's a hundred and one thousand eighty three. So. Independence Party, 25,825 registrants in the 22nd District. Uh, Blank, in other words, no affiliation, 101,083. Now, if you look at the vote totals and you look at at the registration, you realize that, okay, in the final analysis, Brindisi overperformed the number of Democrats the total number of Democrats that, that were registered in in the district. Now, as I said, I don't know who voted for whom. I'm guessing there was a lot of, you know, cross-ballot, you know, voting going on. Republicans who voted for Brindisi. Democrats who voted for Tenney. Uh, but because it's such a polarized race, my guess is that the preponderance of Democrats voted for Brindisi, and the preponderance of Republicans voted for Tenney. If you recall the numbers that I mentioned, um, I can share this on the podcast <laughs> show, show notes, I should say. Forgive me. Um, Brindisi's final total was 155, just short of 156,000 votes. That's, you know... Um, 13,000 more votes than there are Democratic registrants in the district. Whereas Tenney's final total is virtually the same, right? 156. Um, That's considerably less than the registered Republicans in the district. So (laughs) when I say that this is partly about organizing, (laughs) it's it's really true. When you see that there are at least 150,000 people, like once, (laughs) the same again number that each, I mean, each candidate received a little over 150,000 votes. There's a total of more than 460,000 voters, registered voters in this district. So 150,000 people registered voters either didn't vote or their votes were not counted. Think about that. So it's like the district is cut into thirds. One third voted for Brindisi. 
And this is a virtual tie, my friends. One-third voted for Brindisi, a centrist Democrat. One-third voted for Claudia Tenney, a right-wing Republican Trumpist. And one-third didn't vote at all, or their votes didn't count. And what does that tell us? Well, you know, if we had wanted to keep this seat away, not so much, you know, again, Anthony Brindisi does not represent my point of view. <laughs> He's significantly to the right of me. <laughs> I, I had a lot of problems with with um, some of his positions as as a as a Congress member, but it's nothing like Claudia Tenney. I mean, Claudia Tenney does not even come close to representing um, even the sort of liberal half, the sort of Democratic half of the district. Uh, Not even close. She is a radical Republican in the modern sense of the term. And if you look at her Twitter feed, you'll see what I'm talking about. And I don't think she would quibble with that. I don't think she would take offense at that. Now, maybe she'll fool me and she'll try to represent everybody in the entire district and she'll try to sort of move to the center. I doubt it. I seriously doubt it. But, you know, I'm ready to be surprised. And I will encourage her to do that. But again, this is a problem of organizing. I haven't seen the numbers from the city of Utica, but I could say, you know, shame on me because I didn't go around knocking on people's doors and asking them to vote. This could have been done. We could have found 110 votes. I'm not talking about 110,000 votes, even though there were 110,000 votes at least on the table in this election. No, I'm talking about 110 count votes. That's it. That's all we had to get. And we didn't get it. And that's a failure of organizing. Now, As I said on my blog post, that is not the only objective for organizing. Mutual aid is the main, the primary objective behind good organizing. That's what we should be doing. We should be taking care of one another. We should be helping one another out. We should be giving each other a leg up. That's what we should be doing. We should be making a difference in people's lives. But also, we should be trying to send the best representatives we can the most progressive representatives we can to Congress, to the legislature, you know, the state legislature, uh, to the governor's mansion, of course, a lot of work to do there, to the presidency, because it makes a difference to the common council, to the mayor's office, you know, name the, (laughs) just name the uh, position. Yeah, elections do matter. They're not the whole ball game, but they're part of it. They're an important part of it. So I guess what I'm saying is, uh, short version, in this past election that finally got decided after months of litigation, it was basically a tie. The, um, the electorate was cut into thirds. Anthony Brindisi got one third minus 110 votes. Claudia Tenney got another third plus 110 votes. And I think it, I think it may be true that the biggest third was the people who were not counted or who did not vote. That's pathetic. 
we need to do better because now, for the next two years, we're going to be represented by somebody who writes love letters to Trump on Twitter. Go take a look. Anyway, that's all I got to say this week. I'd like to hear from you. By all means, go to anchor.fm slash strange sound and leave me a voice message. You can leave a one-minute voice message. You can also contact me uh, on Twitter at strange sound pod. You can also find other ways to get in contact with me by going to big-green.net and click on the contact link uh, or just peruse the site, look around. There's some interesting stuff there, so you take a look around my other side. By all means, reach out, push back, let me know what you think. That's all I got. Hope you guys have a good week. Stay safe out there. We'll see you next time.